Daily Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 157, Flying Eyes Optics. Dean Syracuse talks about flying the Myers 200. Coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Hey folks, welcome to a special edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. One of the most important aspects of flying is your eyesight. Well, one pilot, Dean Syracuse, has made it his mission to help pilots increase their ability to see and avoid traffic while wearing functional and stylish eyewear. Dean is the founder of Flying Eyes Optics and an avid Myers 200 pilot. Well, what's a Myers 200, you might ask? You're about to find out. Let's do the pre-flight. Hey, before we get started, just a quick shout-out to our sponsors, aerospacescholarships.com, the largest directory of certified scholarships for the aerospace industry, including pilots, engineers, mechanics, and flight attendants. You can find it at aerospacescholarships.com. Now entering cruise flight. Well, Dean, hey, uh, welcome to the podcast. This is awesome having you on. I, uh, I really love looking at your website, and, uh, and this is just terrific to talk about aviation. It's, it's, uh, you truly are a passionate aviator. Thank you very much. I really appreciate uh, being here. It's, uh, yeah, we, I mean, you know, we like talking about airplanes and, uh, I've been a pilot for a long time and, and, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, speaking of which, what, uh, being a pilot for a long time, you, you have a, a general aviation interest, but in a, in a yeah. really interesting airplane, but what, what got you into aviation? I know you're into transportation. Is that what got you into aviation? <clears throat> well, yeah, uh, it was, although, um, I, uh, my father was a, a private pilot, uh, had a, another unusual rare airplane called a Helio Courier when I was a kid, <laughs> flew up to Alaska uh, when I was a kid, had a great time. But when I was off to college, he sold his airplane and moved to Maui and, and he kiteboards and surfs now. Uh, uh, so he's not flying anymore. But after college, I, I, was, uh, I became road and track magazine staff photographer. And uh, I was flying around the world for them on commercial flights and I developed a fear of flying. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, what, what's going on here? And uh, I talked to an airline a pilot buddy of mine. He says, go take some lessons. And he said, why? He said, because you're a control freak and you, and you don't understand how it works. And I said, but my dad was a pilot and I flew with him when I was a kid. He says, yeah, but that's your dad. You know, he's your hero. <laughs> uh, he's not going to hurt you. And you were a kid. As an adult, you have a mortality fear. Go take some lessons. So I did and uh, took lessons. Uh, this is uh, 1999. And uh, turned a, a fear into a passion. Realized that all of the the fears that I had as a non-pilot aren't uh, a problem. There are some things to be concerned about, as you know, um, but uh, can be mitigated with uh, uh, proper training and 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 being careful. And uh, uh, I love it. I, I've got uh, I've got. 2,500 hours now as a as a private pilot, instrument rated private pilot, working on my on my commercial rating because it's a fun rating to get. Um, and 
it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. It's a blast. You know, interestingly, I think there's a lot of folks out there listening right now that can relate to that story. You know, they decided to get into aviation because they were afraid of aircraft. I was a little bit nervous as far as aircraft mm-hmm. are concerned. As a matter of fact, you know, my day job's an airline pilot, but I'm afraid of heights. But so am I. Isn't I that still right? am. Yeah, and it's not uncommon e- either. It's a it's a very common thing in aviation. It's really funny. I don't know why that is, but it's true. Yeah, and you know it's 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 uh, and it's funny because then we get involved in this sport that we absolutely love, uh, yes. and it, it's a disease. Can't yes. cure it. Can't cure it. That's for sure. You can treat <laughs> it by treatment. Fine. Yes, <laughs> that is for sure, Dean. Now, you went back to the Helio Courier, by the way, yes. awesome uh-huh. aircraft. Uh, yep. My uh, friend of mine actually won the uh, the award over at uh, both Sun and Fun and Air Venture this past year with the Helio Carrier that he had here in Florida. Beautiful aircraft, something you don't see too often. No. And his was on floats. Pretty cool aircraft. Oh, cool. What a neat plane. Excellent. Now, you had yeah. mentioned the... Uh, well, I should say I've seen a lot of videos of you flying around in this really cool aircraft that I've seen at airports, and yep. I've for it's kind of funny, and, and I don't want to I don't want to offend you or anybody, but when I first looked at it, it it almost looked like a plane only a, a mother could love, but once you actually get close to it and understand what it does, it's an amazing aircraft, and that's the Myers two hundred. But Dean, what in the world is a Myers two hundred? Sure. There's there, some people can, will confuse a Myers 200 with a, a Navion, which is a much more common aircraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Navion's a big airplane, uh, solid, well built, great airplane, but kind of slow. Um, the uh, the Myers 200 was designed uh, and originally built in Tecumseh, Michigan, by a guy named Al Myers. Uh, he wanted his, this was his uh, his third aircraft design that he built and and. Uh, uh, he wanted to build his ultimate plane for himself, and that was uh, his goal was safety and speed, and uh, safety uh, being uh, being able to land slowly, uh, and being able to actually it has a steel airframe like a Mooney, um, mm. and it's uh, it's actually unlike a Mooney. It's got a steel uh, center section that goes out past the gear, so interesting, very very strong. Um, it's, it stalls at 52, uh, and it cruises at, at 180, 185 knots. True. Um, it's a, on a normally aspirated IO 520 engine. It's a, it's a very fast airplane, but like I said, it's very slow. Uh, all the controls are torque tubes. Um, it's the only high performance complex airplane out there that has no ADs on the airframe. And it's the only high-performance complex airplane out there that has never had an in-flight airframe failure. Nobody's broken one. Um, and uh, when I was, I was traveling back and forth between Texas and Southern California in a in a Skyhawk. That's how much I love flying. And uh, and then I moved up to a, a flying a Grumman Tiger for a while. But I wanted something faster, and I wasn't real impressed with the safety record of uh, of uh, the high-performance airplanes. Um, and it's usually uh, with high-performance complex airplanes. It's usually nothing wrong with the airplane. Um, it's it's usually uh, the the, uh, the pilot that does something stupid, fly in a thunderstorm, whatever. Right. But um, I still wanted something as safe as possible. And uh, in the aviation consumer uh, guide books that they that they used put out that uh, talks about all the different airplanes out there, um, they great articles about this airplane that it's a Ferrari of the sky. Owners love them. They keep them forever, but they're rare. They only built 128 of them. And uh, but if you can find one, 
they're great airplanes. And so I joined the owners group and, uh, uh, went to one of their fly-ins. This was 2005 and, uh, flew one and I was hooked. Um, they're very stable, very comfortable, uh, great airplanes for cross country travel. Um, and, uh, and, and fun to fly. Um, talking and, about the comfort, yeah, you, I noticed yeah. on your videos, boy, I tell you, you have quite a bit of headroom in there. Yes. Lots of headroom, uh, lots of shoulder room. Uh, it's a very beamy aircraft. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's wider than Bonanza or Cessna 210. It's very, very comfortable, uh, all around They're Um, uh, they, uh, yeah, they're, they're just great airplanes. So it's fast, it's comfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. So what I don't get, and it, it is a great airplane. Uh, yep. Don't get me wrong. I, uh, <laughs> it, you know, I say that because it, I guess it's not the traditional design, like a Mooney right. is, and right. uh, the slickness, etc. But mm-hmm. if you sit inside of one, I've never actually gotten mm-hmm. to fly one. I got to sit inside one, and boy, I tell you, that's that's got quite a bit of room. And you say it's beamy, obviously into into boating, but it's very <laughs> wide. And yes. uh, and for people like myself, that's a good thing because I'm a little yep. bit wide. Uh, how about useful load on this thing? Can you bring me and, and a couple other guys? Yeah. So it's a thousand pound useful load. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with full fuel, 80 gallons, uh, that's, you know, uh, 550 pounds with full fuel. Um, however, full fuel will take you a thousand miles. So most flights, if you're just flying with, with say three other people, even three other guys, you can go half fuel, go 500 miles. And and take three other guys with you and, and stuff. So when I used to live in Southern California, uh, uh, I could fly from Hawthorne Airport to Las Vegas to North Las Vegas Airport in an hour. Um, and wow. half fuel is uh, is three hours. Um, and so I I can I can fly to Vegas with three guys and all of our stuff and and uh, and not 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 have a problem. I tell you, that's a very, very good utility. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've always been curious about uh, is why. I know a lot of people love them. Everybody you talk uh-huh. to absolutely loves this aircraft. Sure. What happened? What? Why is it? <clears throat> I, I understand Rockwell, and I'll let you explain yep. that. What happened there? But yep. it would seem that this would have continued on, and they would have kept this specific model. Sure. So Al Myers, uh, he. And his team, he had a small crew, and he, when, when you wanted to buy one of his airplanes, he would build you one of his airplanes. It was all custom. Uh, he wouldn't build on spec. He would just build an airplane. He'd build maybe three or five a year, um, and that was fine. Uh, Aero Commander uh, was, uh, you know, at the time they had the Twin Commander, and they wanted to build in step-up aircraft and, and grow their, their, their line. And... Um, and so they bought the uh, Myers Aircraft Company uh, for a million dollars and uh, moved the production down to uh, Albany, Georgia. And they, uh, they built a production line. And uh, Al Myers' jigs and tooling and everything that they had in Tecumseh, Michigan, was not designed for uh, uh, assembly line production. It was, uh, it was uh, you know, crafted, handcrafted uh, production. And, uh, so, uh, Eric commander basically bought the type certificate and nothing else. They built from scratch all the tooling and all the jigs and all the everything for building a assembly line aircraft. And their problem was that, 
they made a mistake. They didn't realize when they were buying the aircraft company that they weren't buying a, an aircraft company. And uh, their bean counters tried to hide that fact. Uh, and by amortizing the cost of the tooling and the jigs production over the first two years of, of aircraft production, you can't do that. You don't do that. You, okay. you know, that's, those are things that you amortize over 20 years. And uh, so in the, in the third year of production down in Albany, Georgia, they, the uh, CEOs went, their CEO and the executives went, uh, wait a minute, you mean we built, we spent $5 million building $3 million with their airplanes in the past two years? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, we're going to shut down production. So really it was uh, not the fault of the aircraft. Uh, it was the fault of some errors in, in judgment on, uh, on the airplane itself, uh, on, on production. And, and how you uh, amortize things. So that happened. However, the, uh, the original factory still exists. The, uh, uh, the type certificate for and the, and the Aero Commander tooling is owned by a company called uh, GlobalParts.Aero. They're, uh, uh, they're in Wichita, Kansas. Actually, uh, uh, Augusta, Kansas. And uh, so there's, um, there's never been a shortage of, of parts and tooling and, and, and repair ability to maintain the aircraft uh, that are out there. Only, like I said, only 128 of them were built. Um, but, uh, they're, uh, easy to maintain. Um, that was the other nice thing about Al Myers designing his own personal airplane. It wasn't designed by a bunch of bean counters or people who are looking to, uh, uh, build something as, as cheaply as possible. He wanted to make his best airplane. And that meant, well, he was probably going to be working on them too. And the, and he ended up doing, uh, his team ended up working on them, uh, maintaining them for many, many years too. So he wanted to build them and main, have them be able to be maintained as simply as possible. So it's actually a pretty simple airplane to, uh, to maintain and, and, uh, uh, work on too. So one of the things that you've seen happen with the, with the Myers is it, it was such a good design though. Normally, when an airplane stops production, somebody picks it up somewhere, somewhere down the line. And I think they actually did this with the Myers, but they, they kind of changed it. Well, they really changed it, I should say. <laughs> uh, it became faster, but it also became much different. I don't know if you know the lineage there. Yeah, Maybe you could absolutely. speak about that. Sure. That's called the, uh, the uh, Interceptor 400, which is a pressurized turboprop. Uh, they put a Garrett engine in it, and it was uh, a... Uh, great airplane, very fast, uh, uh, 160 gallon wet wings. Um, and, uh, and they built several, they built two of them. They built, a, uh, they converted a, a Myers 200 into a turboprop as a, as a test bed. And then they built two, um, production prototypes and actually got it certified. This was, uh, back in the late sixties. Uh, well, actually around 1970, 71, I believe it was when it was certified. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, there was a, a, a legal battle over, uh, from investors in it and, uh, and, and it ended up just getting shut down and the type certificate got, uh, bought by a few other people that the type certificate includes the interceptor 400 and the Myers 200. And, uh, that type certificate got moved about a little bit. Uh, it got bought by a guy in Texas in the, in the eighties with the intention of putting him back into production. He got, uh, he got, uh, investors on board, but never actually went anywhere. And, uh, and then the, uh, the latest is, uh, uh, global parts buying the, 
the type certificate and uh, uh, perhaps perhaps they'll uh, build them someday. We'll, who knows? Uh, Global Parts um, really has the belief, and I think they're right, in that uh, it it actually is a very simple airplane to, to build. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it, uh, it can be very competitive in, in, in the current marketplace. One of the things that I really like about the plane is, is the visibility, the speed, and it looks really sharp flying and you know, I've seen them mm-hmm. flying around. I remember, I think it must've been just a few years ago. I can't exactly remember, but they actually were talking about starting up production again. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the same person you're talking about that was actually yeah. thinking, okay, all right. Yep. That was, that was just, a, just a couple of years ago, I thought. And uh, mm-hmm. so that would be really cool to see something like this come back. Uh, it, sure. It's also, to me, it, it's, it reminds me of a time in aviation. This is the design of it, uh, where GA started really to explode, and mm-hmm. uh, and we sure. all fell in love with aviation. So I would love to see it come back just from the aesthetics of it, just from sure. the design point. You know, sure. I have a YouTube video that I put out uh, last year. Um, that's a, a 360 degree uh, view uh, video that you can really see the. Uh, the visibility, you know, it, it, it doesn't have a bubble canopy, but it actually has great visibility in 360 degrees horizontal. So you can, you know, as, as uh, military pilots say, check your six really easily. You turn, you turn your head and, and you can see your elevator and your, uh, and your rudder really easily. Um, and it's nice to be able to see other traffic. It reminds me of the Tomahawk. I spent so much time you mm. know, instructing in, but a sure. much bigger, beefier version of it. Uh, sure. You can still find them. They're, they're actually, you can find them uh, for, they're very inexpensive, I'd have to say. And like you mm-hmm. said, if they're easy to maintain, it might be a, a sure. good idea for those listening right now thinking, hey, I want to buy an airplane, and, and this might be something to look into, just kind of like the, the route you went. Yeah, uh, they, they, they don't go up for sale all that often because there's so few of them, and the owners keep them forever. But... Uh, uh, if they go to myersaircraft.org, uh, you can see uh, the aircraft uh, Myers Aircraft Owners Association, and there's usually at least one or two for sale at a time uh, there. And also, they have some really cool videos. I think they link to yours. And yeah. and Dean, if you don't mind sending me that video, I'd like to put it in the show, show notes. Uh, I did watch part of that, and I was pretty impressed by by the view. And I said, well, maybe it's the camera doing that. But, man, it really does. Have, and I've looked at others like the Mooney, et cetera, because that's yeah. why I assimilate it to a Mooney because of the speed, sure. et cetera. Um, but, but you don't have the Mooney lean. You're, you're, you're sitting yeah. upright. <laughs> oh, I'm I, sitting in a chair. I'm sitting in a chair like, uh, like you are in a Cessna. So yeah. it's very, um, you know, you're not, you're, not, you're not down on the floor uh, like, you know, as in a sports car, although it has sports car handling, but you're sitting more, uh, more upright and, uh, the seats are very comfortable. So you, you speak as if you don't have the Myers anymore. So, so what happened to the airplane? And, and if you are between planes, what's next? <clears throat> so I, um, I started a, a company in, in 2012 called Flying Eyes, um, because, uh, headsets and, and, and eyewear don't mix or haven't mixed in the past. And, and it's, it's actually a, a relatively new problem. Um, headsets have gotten a lot more competitive in the past 20 years, thanks to companies like Bose who come into the market, uh, and disrupted the market, uh, with creating honestly quiet, uh, uh, headsets and, and everybody else had to step up and compete. And, there's two ways to compete with a quiet headset. One is uh, is active, and one is passive. 
and basically active A&R, active noise cancellation, uh, or clamping force. And that's just the, the spring on the top of the headset and making it as, 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 uh, soundproof as possible. The cups, the, the, uh, ear cups. And, uh, you know, most headset manufacturers have a combination of both in some way. And, uh, what's gotten caught in the middle literally is, uh, is eyewear. Uh, when, when I was wearing sunglasses back then, uh, it was, you know, I bought my, my Bose, uh, 10, uh, uh, X, uh, headsets. Um, I loved them, but they were interfering. My, my glasses were interfering with them and I hated that and it hurt after a while. I thought, guys, there's, there's gotta be a, a, a solution out there. And I kept, you know, coming up with, uh, uh, trying to find an idea or trying to find a solution and nobody had it. And, uh, my wife said, well, if, if nobody's uh, done it, why don't you do it? Well, so I spent two years, uh, starting in 2010, uh, worked with a, uh, eyewear manufacturer and introduced our, our original Hawk frame in 2012. And, uh, it was very successful. It had interchangeable temples and, uh, it had standard temples for everyday wear and then, uh, micro thin temples or a strap and cinch for, uh, use under a headset or a helmet. And, uh, they're very popular. They, they, we, we still sell them. Actually, we, we were on our uh, fourth production run and sell, uh, sell quite a few of them. Um, as I introduced them, uh, well, as, as we introduced them and, and started selling them, we realized that they're, that one, a couple of things, uh, that one frame style isn't right for everybody as much as they're comfortable for everybody. They may not look, look great on everybody. And, uh, and also more than just pilots wear headsets and helmets and need, uh, eyewear that are comfortable under them. Uh, if you see firefighters, uh, in their fire trucks these days, they're all wearing, they're all wearing David Clark's actually, uh, which is <laughs> pretty cool. Um, and, uh, I realized, uh, there's a, there's a definitely, uh, more markets that are, that need this solution. And so I went back to, uh, the drawing board and, and, uh, and, uh, worked with, a an eyewear designer. Um, and I found a material that nobody else is using and we came up with, uh, our comfort style line of, uh, eyewear that is using a material that is very, very thin, uh, and very flexible and virtually unbreakable. And they, uh, they're great. So we introduced those, uh, in, uh, in 2016 and, uh, they've been very popular and, uh, uh, and more styles means, uh, that they look great on more people too. So we're really excited about that. I like the looks of them. I, and one of the Thank things, you. maybe you could describe what it feels like that, that material. And I forget how you say it. So, uh, excuse me there, but it's yeah, a really, nice. really neat looking glasses and, and they have the, a, you. you have aviator styles and you have kind I of do. more of the tra traditional, like I think you call it the Kingfisher. And I, I think that's yep. really cool. Uh, yep. so tell me a little bit about the material and how it, it, it sets it apart from the, the material I've seen on my traditional glasses. Sure, sure. We call it resilamide, and it's uh, it's actually an aerospace material that's uh, commonly used in in aerospace. Uh, the reason why it's it's not used often in in eyewear is because it requires much higher heat and much higher pressure than standard injection molded uh, materials. 
Um, what the the benefits of this are that it can this material art that can be molded very very thin, and you can bend it all day long and and uh, it won't break. Uh, it you can also leave it on the dash of your uh, uh, of your car or uh, on the glare shield of your airplane, and it's not going to melt. Um, by the way, are all of our our uh, non prescription lenses are. Uh, uh, polycarbonate, which is great. I, I think, uh, having impact resistant lenses, uh, is important. Uh, and I actually got a reminder of that. If you don't mind me uh, bringing this up, um, a short little story about a guy who called us up, Oh, a few months ago and said that, that, uh, wanted just to tell us that our glasses saved his life. It's like, wow, what? That's, that's the first time I've ever had anybody have, tell me that. And, and uh, uh, he got me on the phone and we talked for a little bit. He's a pilot. He flies, uh, flies the Lancer Evolution. And as you know, it's a pressurized turboprop, very fast airplane. They were flying from the Bay Area down to their home in, in Arizona, he and his wife and his kids and the kids in the back seat. They were at 25,000 feet going, what, you know, almost 400 miles an hour. And uh, the windshield explodes. Wow. And, and I don't know if, if anybody here is, uh, uh, is, uh, is a parachutist has any time jumping out of airplanes, but terminal velocity is way slower than that. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, hundred what is 130, 150 miles an hour. I think it's terminal velocity in, in a standard, standard, uh, parachuting, um, a free fall, I mean. And, uh, uh, so instantly they had. Well, shards of, of material uh, all over them. They got cut, uh, and the headsets flew off really, really loud, so loud that his wife was yelling in her ear, yelling in his ear as loud as she could, and he couldn't hear anything. Um, but they were wearing flying eyes. They were able to see the instrument panel and uh, uh, made an emergency descent and uh, landed safely, and uh, uh, everybody's fine. But he realized that the force of the 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 shattering of the windshield would have, you know, if the glasses, uh, if any other glasses miracle, miraculously stayed on, the lenses would have shattered and uh, they would have been blinded. And if they weren't wearing any glasses, they would have been blinded and they would have died. Uh, so, at, you know, we you know, since he's a pilot, I'm a pilot. We were we actually talked for a great length about the whole ordeal. And at the end of it, I said, wow, so I'm sure the glasses got scratched a little bit. Can I, can I, can I replace them for you? Because uh, it was an amazing story. Uh, he says, no, 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 they were, they were fine. I just wanted to call and thank you. I was like, wow, wow. okay, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, so um, these are things that, um, you know, it's one of the reasons why we, we do this. And I, I love, love hearing these stories, and, and uh, it's, it's really important to me. Um, what a great testament to yeah. the actual eyeglasses and the yeah. fact that, and I'm a big fan of wearing eyeglasses. I have to mm-hmm. wear them, of course, but uh, yeah. it really does protect your your eyes uh, and your vision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, and, and you may want to bring up prescription lenses. All of our mm-hmm. all of our frames are prescription compatible. Um, we recommend. We actually have uh, a number of opticians around the country that sell our glasses. Um, and but you can buy our glasses um, through our website and. And uh, take them to your local optician. We really recommend that that um, uh, that people pilots get uh, either polycarbonate, which uh, which is great, 
uh, or Trivex, which is a even better material for prescription lenses, which is has uh, very very good optical clarity also and uh, and also impact resistance. So uh, that's a good suggestion for you with uh, prescription lenses. So how does that work if you're someone like myself? And there's a lot of people that have sure. prescription lenses. Yep. If I wanted, say, to purchase these, how mm-hmm. would I how would I go about doing that? I you know I like the one I like the Golden Eagle Sport. Like what would I do? Mm-hmm. Sure. So. Um, you can if uh, basically go to our website and and see if there are any. We actually have a, a dedicated page for prescription lens wearers that shows uh, a number of uh, uh, opticians that sell our glasses. And uh, if they they're near, if there's one near you, you just go over there and and talk to them, talk to the optician, and. Uh, and uh, get your, get, you know, try on the glasses and, and see how they work and get prescription lenses uh, put into them. Uh, if there's not one near you, you can still buy our glasses uh, on our website. Uh, we have a money back guarantee. If you don't like them or if they don't fit, uh, you can actually uh, exchange them for another version of them. Uh, and, uh, you know, not, not a problem at all. But then you take those glasses once you're happy with the fit, take them to your local optician and, uh, and get them uh, get prescription lenses made for them. Um, our glasses are uh, uh, have a bit of a wrap to them. Uh, the Hawks and the Golden Eagles have a have a eight base frame. That's the amount of curve uh, going around your head. And then our the rest of our current line are a six base, um, and they can usually handle oh plus or minus three and a half um, uh, as a as a diopter. Uh, strength, um, and but we are working on uh, ophthalmic frames uh, that we hope to have out next year that would ha- handle uh, much stronger prescriptions. Um, and by the way, we also have a website that we uh, that we sponsor called EyesThatFly.com, which is a great website for basically anybody that wants any pilot that would love to be able to talk to an optician who also happens to be a pilot. Uh, and uh, there's no cost to uh, search on the site for uh, opticians that are also pilots. And actually, there's no cost for the optician to be listed there as well. Uh, it's our goal to have more and more of those, of those companies selling our, our glasses. So if anybody goes to the uh, eyesthatfly.com website and goes and checks them out, uh, if they don't carry flying eyes, they should uh, ask their optic- that optician to, uh, to carry them. One of the important things about talking to an optician that actually deals with, or any eye doctor that deals with pilots is that we have certain very unique requirements. Uh, sure. A good example is I have, I have long conversations with my doctors and uh-huh. uh, what I need to do. I need to see far away. I need to see close up, but I also have to see, uh, you know, I fly an Airbus. So I have a sure. certain, you know, as I've gotten older, <laughs> I can't, can't <laughs> see things up close anymore. Right. And, and so there's, there's some uniqueness about my glasses in that not only that I need, I need to be able, and some people call them painter's glasses to be able to see the overhead. I can't see the overhead. So I have to have, glasses specifically to do that too 
And sure. people are like, sure, wow, exactly. how does that happen? I, I never knew all this. This They had this. It's expensive, but uh, yes. you know, it's it just, if you need them, you need them, especially for work. It makes it much safer for you, obviously. Uh, but having good glasses makes a huge, huge di- a difference. Uh, one of the things I like about the, the ones that wrap around your eyes is the protection when you're outdoors. Yes. Uh, most pilots are involved in many outdoor sports activities, many yep. different people, you know, driving around in motorcycles. Uh, I love the fact that you have a, a horses on there. I grew up right right near the the U.S. Equestrian team around hunters oh, and wow. jumpers, and and uh-huh. uh, and you do see people see people wearing these sunglasses, and yep. and it's very important to protect your eyes, especially when you're doing competitions outdoors, and you know there's sometimes some sand, dirt, etc. that kicks up. That's right. Uh, and that's actually another great use for these uh, these sunglasses, not just for for pilots, but uh, but they also make you look cool. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, that the the um, uh, the the continuation or the the increase in requiring uh, uh, better safety uh, has um, has occurred in well beyond just aviation with with better headsets, but also helmets and helmets for motorcyclists, helmets, even like you said, for uh, equestrian uh, show jumpers. Um Everybody's helmets are becoming a lot more tighter fitting and and a lot safer. Uh, when I was a kid, I rode dirt bikes and, you know, my bell helmet was, you know, kind of loose and it was there, but it really didn't, uh, you know, it probably wouldn't have protected me that much. Uh, but uh, in order to compete on safety, all the helmet manufacturers uh, in whatever sport are getting a lot more serious about uh, better protection. And in order to do that, helmets are getting much more tight fitting. Uh, and so, uh, in, in all of these sports, uh, the, these types of glasses, uh, like flying eyes we're, we're the only ones are really designed to be so comfortable that you're, you forget you're wearing them. And that's important too, is that, you know, I have headsets on right now. Uh, mm-hmm. we're doing a podcast, et cetera, but you know, my, they're not quite, they're not comfortable. The, the glasses I'm right. using at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I really am looking at these saying, Hey, I should be wearing those, uh, because <laughs> these things are digging into my temples and that sure. after an hour, two, three hours of flying really, Oh my gosh, uh, it's distracting. It's unsafe. And, yep. uh, I think exactly. that's something that I think people don't realize is that if that's distracting, you need to change it just like headsets, uh, you know, the big clamps on your head, uh, you have to change the actual design to fit your head. I have a rather large head, so uh, that's always difficult for me. One of the things I, I'd like you to mention, too, is how, while we've been talking, if someone's right now you know, listening to this online, what, where can they find you? Absolutely. So flyingeyesoptics.com is our, uh, is our main website. Uh, and uh, on it, you can see, you know, like I said about prescription lenses, you can see all of the different frame styles that we carry. Um, we even have uh, non-prescription bifocals uh, for a number of our frames that, uh, you know, if you just need some, you know, cheaters, if you're, if you have pres- presbyopia, presbyopia <laughs> uh, <whatever>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and you just need, uh, need some cheaters to see close up, uh, we actually carry those uh, mm-hmm. for, for a couple of our frames. We're carrying them more and more. And uh, so if you don't really need prescription glasses, um, you know, having, having bifocal uh, uh, cheaters in, in your uh, sunglasses really, uh, helps a lot. In fact, uh, we even have, uh, lenses that are, uh, gradient tints. So they're darker at the top, uh, and lighter at the bottom. And it's not, uh, 
it's not so uh, much that they you look like uh, you know Joe movie star uh, with the you know with them, but it's subtle, but it really makes a big difference in the cockpit so that it really blocks out the the light coming in through your uh, cockpit windshield. Uh, but it's a little lighter at the bottom so that it's easier to see the instrument panel. And that's quite important also. Oh, speaking of which, mm-hmm. uh, there's our cockpits are changing. So mm-hmm. we have devices sure. that, you know, if I have polarized lenses, I'm going to have some issues looking at those. And that's right. iPads, et cetera. That's how right. Do you, how do you address that issue? We, uh, we carry polarized lenses only as an option. Uh, you know, p- people who are uh, on the water, uh, who are in the snow do need polarization uh, to to block that angle of light. That's the thing that uh, that people don't realize that polarization doesn't block UV light. Uh, that's that's a misnomer. Uh, all of our glasses are UV 400 protected, which means they block 100% of UV light just out of the box. We even have clear lenses that that are 100% UV light blocking. Um, so tinting polarization does not do anything for blocking UV light and blocking basically the damaging light, uh, actual UV filters do. And we have that, uh, 200%, uh, polar, what polarization does is block a certain angle of light. So, um, as an example, uh, when you go skiing or snowboarding, uh, that, that glare off the ground, off the snow, um, polarized lenses can actually block that. And, uh, and, and that's a good thing for, for water sports and for snow sports. Um, for pilots, it's, it's a waste of time and a waste of money. And it can be detrimental to viewing LCD displays like, uh, the PFDs in your panel or, uh, or the iPad in your lap. That's where I think a lot of opticians don't understand where I'm right. sitting there talking to them saying, hey, listen, yes. they always want to put polarization in. I said, well, I have a problem. I can't even see the LCD screens on my aircraft. Right. Not right. only that, if you have a polarized windscreen, uh, you start seeing it looks like it's a rainbow color yeah. or whatever. And that's, that's I, right. I, assuming that's the same issue when you're same looking issue, through polarization. Exactly. That's and, right. And that can be quite distracting, and sometimes you can't see the things you want to look at. So that's yep. that's quite important there too. Very important. So so be you know if you're looking at sunglasses, make sure you don't get polarization if you're a pilot because uh, most of us are flying modern aircraft, meaning after the seventies. <laughs> so and, yeah. and that's going to be a, a big issue. Or even if they're older aircraft, they've been upgraded. I exactly. mean, you know, the, there's a lot of uh, great upgrades for uh, older aircraft now for uh, uh, glass panels. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why we, we, we built the uh, eyesthatfly.com website is it's, it's so much easier to explain to another pilot who happens to be an optician your needs, what you need, what, what you fly. I mean, heck, you'll probably talk for a few minutes about what you fly. And, uh, and if they've been flying, if they, the optician, has been flying for a while, they might go, oh, you know what? You might need this. You know, that panel in that to Archer is, is, is really close to you. Maybe uh, – Maybe uh, uh, readers, the bifocal readers, uh, need to be a little higher up on your lenses, uh, so you can see that. So having a having a knowledgeable optician who is also a pilot makes it so much easier. You don't you, you, then you no longer have to explain why you don't want polarized lenses because it's obvious to them. But I still want to look like uh, I'm out of the movies, and I know that you have some <laughs> some famous people that have been wearing it. I think uh, John Travolta is one of them, and I, I forget That's which right. design he's wearing. 
Uh, he has uh, the aviators. He has our, our Kingfisher, I'm oh, sorry, our uh, Coopers, and uh, I believe his wife Kelly has our, uh, has our Kestrels. Um, and they're both, uh, they're both great frames. The, the three titanium frames that we have are, are basically uh, essentially like a small, medium, large. Uh, and, uh, the, the, the Hawk, the titanium Hawks are, are a wide frame for wider heads. The Coopers are a medium and, uh, and the, and the Kestrels are a little bit smaller. Um, and, and they're, all three of them are unisex. They, you know, men and women look great and all three of them just depends on their, on their, uh, head style, uh, head size. And, uh, those are great. The, uh, uh, so yeah, so we have, uh, let's see, John Travolta, we have, oh gosh, uh, I can go down the list of, of, uh, of, uh, celebrities who are flying, uh, wearing, wearing our glasses now, uh, oh gosh, Harrison Ford and Chuck Norris and, uh, uh, uh we got a, we got a, uh, a voicemail the other day from Jay Leno cause he's a big motorcyclist and, and, uh, he loves our, loves our glasses now too. It's, uh, it's really exciting. Awesome. So I can look like a movie star too. I want to, <laughs> I, I want to go order them. Are there any specials we need to know about and uh, anything you're running as far as at shows? You're going to be anywhere in the next year or so? Uh, so we we do go to shows. We um, uh, let's see. We we're you caught me off guard. Actually, I'm trying to think which shows we'll be at next. We'll probably be at Sun and Fun. Um, yeah, this is something that uh, we should talk about offline. I yes, forget. Yeah, Sun, Sun and yes, Fun is you. actually the the one that you should come to because I'll be there yes. and we want oh, to interview you on Sun and yes. Fun Radio. So, well, <laughs> so, so let's make sure we'll, you're that that one. <laughs> we'll definitely be there. Uh, you know, uh, the the reason I'm hesitant is because we have more and more uh, retailers that are selling our glasses, and they actually have they sell them at their own booths. And uh, when when that occurs, I don't want to. Uh, uh, mess up their no, their yeah. sales uh, uh sales uh paths sure sure but of course we uh, we'll we'd love there. to have you there and, and talk to you anyway and, sure and promote those people of course that are one way, that are, one way or another will be there for sure <laughs> awesome yeah well you know going back to your flying life um yeah. you've actually had to give up that aircraft i think you had mentioned because of this new venture of yours sure of course so What's what's next? I mean, what are we gonna? What are you gonna do to get back in the air? Or are you, I know you said that you're doing a commercial, but are you gonna buy an airplane? Uh, sure. Uh, well, so I, I I manage the Myers Aircraft Owners website. I I'll back up a little bit further. I bought my own Myers 200 in 2006, and uh, owned it until uh, just last year when I sold it to help basically pay for this new production of this new line of uh, new 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 line of eyewear that uh, the the uh, comfort style line. And, uh, fortunately, because I manage the Myers Aircraft Owners Association, uh, I know a lot of other Myers owners and, um, uh, I've been, because there's so few of them, uh, what happens when, uh, an older uh, Myers owner, usually often in their eighties or older, uh, loses their medical, uh, they, um, they can't, uh, they can't fly it anymore. And, uh, how, who's going to show it off when the person who's interested in buying it doesn't have any time in a Myers 200 for insurance purposes. Um, they can't fly it and the person who owns it can't fly it. So they ask me oftentimes to, uh, to, uh, demonstrate the, the aircraft, uh, for, for possible, uh, possible buyers. And I get to borrow them and, and fly them occasionally. So I, I still 
still fly uh, fly a fair amount. Um, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So, uh, but uh, as another airplane, yeah, I, I'm actually looking to get another Myers 200 uh, probably um, as soon as uh, early next year. Some great pictures of the Myers on the website. I know you have a background in photography, as you spoke yes. about. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming some of those are yours. A few of them are mine, yes. Uh, the uh, the still photography uh, shots out there of Myers aircraft, uh, quite a few of them are mine. Some are, you know, I, I've been such a fan of these airplanes for so long that uh, I have friends who would take pictures of my plane when I was flying. And uh, we do a lot of air-to-air formation flying. And uh, they'd get pictures of of our my plane, and uh, we'd share them with, uh, oh gosh, uh, Aviation Consumer and Flying Magazine and other uh, other publications. So they're if if they're not of of me uh, or uh, they're not taken by me, they might be of me, uh, and and my old airplane or or some of the other aircraft that I've uh, I've flown. So speaking of photography, I know you were into uh, cars, especially. How about aviation photography? Did we never really talked about that? Did you ever ever go down that road? Um, I have, um, but not not as a as a serious endeavor. Uh, uh, did make money with it. Uh, I I used to be the the backup photographer for uh, a company called Astrovision. Uh, it was owned by uh, Clay Lacey, a uh, longtime very successful. Uh, pilot uh, and uh, test pilot and uh, did all kinds of interesting stuff. But Astrovision uh, and the uh, competitor, uh, Wolf Air, are, are two companies that have, basically they have Lear 35s um, that have a have a periscope in the top and bottom of the airplane that is uh, attached to either a film camera or a video camera or a still camera. And we go and, uh, and shoot uh, air-to-air uh, for the movies and for commercials, uh, the most regular shoots that we used to that I used to do with them is uh, for Boeing. So we'd go up to uh, Seattle or down to South Carolina uh, and shoot uh, uh, and shoot you know a new new Dreamliner or a new Triple Seven uh, with the Boeing test pilots, and we'd be you know would be in a in a Lear thirty five uh, right next to it, uh, uh, filming it uh, over all kinds of beautiful places. We've been over Lake Tahoe and. And uh, out over the Atlantic Ocean and uh, uh, around clouds and around volcanoes. And uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, used to do that. I did that probably four or five times a year. But back when I was into photography, um, it was mostly automotive. I used to shoot uh, uh, either, either direct commercials or uh, shoot still photography for the ad agencies for the manufacturers of car companies, uh, not the dealers, but the manufacturers who are doing national ad campaigns and things like that. But, but the aviation stuff was, uh, was always a lot of fun. And, and, uh, uh, any chance we, we got to go do that was, uh, was a good excuse. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And again, it's funny how people that are into cars are into airplanes too. It's in, sure. and, and looking at, at some of the stuff you've done, it, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I, I think you did Thank a you. great job and, uh, just a, a really good photographer, uh, obviously very passionate about flying. I love your story about how you got into flying. I think there's a lot of people that are listening that can relate to that. I know I can. And, uh, one of the things that I think is, is really important is when you're looking at a company, because there's lots of other folks out there trying sure. to do a similar type of thing, is is 
wonder, you know, are you going to stick with it? And it sounds like you you have this passion for aviation. It sounds like this will this project is incredibly important to you because of all the different things that you've placed out there. Mm-hmm. The eyes that fly, I think that's terrific, and uh, and obviously they can fly find you at Flying Eyes Optics and the sure. Myers Aircraft. So uh, somebody who's truly committed to aviation, who's designing uh, these sunglasses eyewear, I think to me as as a consumer, that's important. Uh, hats mm-hmm. off to you for doing that. One of the things that I'd I'd love to see is uh, is somebody myself wearing some of these. And uh, if you ever want need a model for, for of, a, of an old guy <laughs> with, with gray hair, I'd I'd be willing to step up to that. <laughs> no, I have a no, face for radio. <laughs> we can, exactly. Well, we, we might even make you. Hey, if they, if if I can design glasses to make me look uh, halfway decent, I think we can do that. The same for you too. Oh, great! Because that you no, know, not a problem. <laughs> It's always tough for me having the, the, the you know that white powdery gray hair. It's easy to find me at air shows. It's the guy with the orange shirt and the the white hair. Uh, but there's there's some really sure. it, it's interesting because it is important. You know, it, not just looking good, but also functionality. I think you've done that, yep. and that's one thing that, uh, that I like about the the flying eyes. Uh, Dean, what what else? What else can you tell us about flying eyes that you want the sure. the folks here listening to know uh, either about your product or what's coming up next? Sure, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm I'm in this for the long haul. That's for sure. It's uh, it's uh, one of the big things is is our first frame style. We got a patent awarded in 2014, and we have uh, uh, patents pending for the new frame styles. A uh, dirty little secret about the eyewear industry: uh, unless you're uh, Luxottica, which owns you know Oakley and and Ray Ban and all these others. Um, most all the other eyewear companies out there uh, don't own their frames. They go to a, a you know a, a major factory, and they pick and choose the frame styles because it's a style play. Uh, uh, outside of us, it's a, it's all a style play. To to uh, they'll go to this factory and say we want these these those and those for next year. Put our logos on it and build uh, you know ten thousand of them uh, each. And, uh, and that's, that's very different from us and from, from, uh, you know, companies like, uh, you know, Ray-Ban and Oakley owned by Luxottica. Uh, we own our molds. We, uh, there are designs and our patents. Um, and that's something that's very expensive and costly to do. Um, but it's what sets us apart from all the other eyewear manufacturers out there, all the other eyewear companies out there. And you're somebody that's not new to the business world. You've actually had other businesses and been described as a, a serial entrepreneur. So that yep. gives me, it, it makes me more comfortable in, in dealing with a company that I know is going to be around for a while and uh, and has had success in other businesses too that are still successful. So, sure, uh, exactly. And that, that's kind of, that's an important point for, for me as a consumer. Um, one of the things I, I'd always like to ask uh, folks that are on is, is there any local airport like me? My local airport is is Lakeland. If somebody wants to come see me and and I'm off for that day, I'd love to stop by. Uh, is there any local airport? Maybe we could we could see your product or or possibly see you or find you maybe flying around. Yeah, so I I either fly out of uh, San Marcos Airport, San Marcos, Texas, K H Y I, or uh, Austin Bergstrom. Uh, fly out of both of those airports fairly regularly uh, here in uh, Central Texas, and. Uh, uh, that's, those are the two places I fly out of, whether I'm, uh, flying friends, airplanes, or occasionally renting an airplane or, uh, you know, or, or flying another Myers 200. Uh, there are, 
uh, a bunch of Myers 200s out there uh, across the country. Um, and uh, if anybody's interested in, you know, buying one, uh, they can contact the owners group. They'll actually end up con- contacting me or one, uh, we have a, a few other owners that uh, moder- uh, moderate the website. And uh, we can usually, uh, uh, we have a, such a tight group of owners that if anybody is even remotely interested in the airplane, uh, we can usually introduce them to another owner that's probably near them to uh, go for a flight. Like, like so many of us, uh, we don't need much of an excuse to go fly. And, uh, and, and the Myers owners all like to make sure that, uh, that the, uh, the, the brand is, 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 uh, known about and, uh, to give people rides in them, uh, is, uh, is one way to do that. You know, one of, you're an area in an area of Texas that has really, to me, grown up and become a, a real haven of aviation. And you have the, you know, I'm in the Devil Dog Squadron just north of you up there in, uh-huh. uh, in yeah, Georgetown absolutely. Airport. With Beautiful. Beth. Yes, Jenkins. yes. Absolutely. Awesome place there. Yes. Uh, also, you know, Austin Bergstrom, San Marcos. What a beautiful mm-hmm. airport. Uh, yes. Just this aviation hub that, that continues to grow. And, it uh, really is. And one of the, there's a couple of reasons, I think. There's so many passionate people in that area mm-hmm. in Texas uh, and a lot of business people. So there's there's a lot of uh, financial cumin in that in that large Austin area and, sure. and surrounding. But I think, too, is there's just this this storied history of aviation in Texas and this really deep and rich history. And it's one of those places you can fly around and find out some very amazing things. I mean, you talked about, uh, you know, having a Grumman and uh, the Grumman parts distributor is actually right there in Houston at Hobby yep. Airport, Fletcher Aviation. Yep. You know, there's yep. there's all these great different places in Texas. Sure. So uh, one of the things I, I really try to get people to do is, hey, get out to Texas and fly around. It's a huge state. Uh, if you need to build cross-country time uh, for your career or something, <laughs> it's the best place to do it because it, it takes you a long time to get from one end to the next. <laughs> um, but but what is it about that area that you think is is really sparing this growth in aviation and aviation enthusiasm? Well, uh, I mean, one of the reasons why is is it's um, it's very friendly to business. It's very friendly to aviation. Uh, it's it's well, it's a very friendly state. We uh, we like, and it's also a, a very independent and and uh, f- we like we like our freedom. And, uh, one way to, uh, have our freedom is, is flying. And, uh, you know, you're talking about how big Texas is. We live in the center, we live in, you know, right in the middle of Texas and halfway between here and Los Angeles, where I used to live, uh, is El Paso, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and so that just gives an idea how big the state is. It is very big. Um, uh, but there's lots of great places to go and, and, uh, and see, and there's, there's some great, uh, airports along the, along the, uh, Gulf coast that you can literally, uh, land on a, on a runway and go surf, uh, or go jump in the ocean. Uh, there's, gosh, there's places like the hangar hotel in, in mm-hmm. Fredericksburg, Texas, which has a great diner for, um, you know, for, for going to, uh, having breakfast or lunch at, but also to stay at. It's a, uh, essentially, um, you know, I don't know officially the star, but it's a, it's a three, probably three star hotel, um, right on the airport. And, uh, I know a lot of, uh, tight clubs, uh, the Myers owners, uh, had a, had a fly in there. I think the Bonanza owners, uh, have, uh, have had, uh, events there. 
but it's a great place to go. But there's there's places like that all over the state where uh, you can go and uh, land and, and go have some barbecue or uh, go have uh, go have Gulf seafood right uh, right by the Gulf, uh, right next to the airport. It's a, it's a lot of fun that way. Well, Texas, I, I love Texas, and uh, as you know, I've, I'm no longer, a lot of listeners know, I'm no longer a landowner in Texas. I've, I've come here to Florida and, uh-huh. and made my stake here, but I do love the sure. love the fact that, uh, like you said, Texans are very much about their freedom and the fact that you can be yes. on the beach and then you can be actually in the snow in the same day yes. in the same state. Sure, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. Yes, Gosh, Dean, you know, this has uh, been great having you on the podcast. We could talk forever about aviation, <laughs> that's for sure. We'd have to have yeah. you back on again. And Thank you. Uh, like uh, I said, hopefully we'll see you at some of the air shows. And uh, I know on your Facebook page, you yes. do mention some of the places you'll be. So that's a great yes. way to find out. And obviously, Absolutely. we're going to have all these links in the show notes to episode 157 of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Uh, and in the future, we'll probably have Dean back on and talk a little bit about Texas aviation because uh, it sounds like he's, he's somebody that's very much interested in in aviation within texas and growing it as uh, as i am too there's so much going on uh for the young people and for those of yes. us that are a little bit older um and there's there's so much history there best way to get in touch with the dean i guess is flyingeyesoptics.com that's correct Great. yes flyingeyesoptics.com well dean has been terrific having you on today this has been awesome to talk about aviation and also your new venture uh thank you very stylish uh really designs. appreciate that Oh yeah, yeah, and it's it's also it's something that I think uh, we sometimes overlook, and it's important for our safety. Uh, it's also I think important to look good because you'll wear the sunglasses more. That's right, and you'll wear the eyewear more, and that's right. uh, and also you know knowing that it's a company that's going to stick around uh, because of your that's experience right. is important to me too. So those are the three biggest Thank in you. my world. Uh, really appreciate that. Thank you. Well, folks, thanks for listening to us today. Uh, and if you have any questions, uh, of course, you can reach out to Dean at uh, flyingeyesoptics.com, but also you can send us an email, stuckmikeavcast at gmail.com, stuckmikeavcast at gmail.com. Of course, you can go to the website and comment. Folks, if, if you do something do something today to, to you know further your passion for aviation, don't forget, look at Dean's story. He's gone through all these different challenges, and the reason he got into aviation you, might resonate with you. Um, if you're thinking about getting into aviation and you're kind of this fear of flying, maybe it's time to start looking into it. Take that, take that first flight. Do it at, like, sunrise or sunset during a very calm time. But do something today to get into aviation. Inspire somebody else to fly. And check out the, the, the links that we have on the website. Make sure you go there and check out Flying Eyes Optics, Eyes That Fly, and MyersAircraft.org. Folks, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.